Hello, folks. This is Parrish Alford with the Daily Journal. I'm joined by Nick Suss of the Clarion Ledger of Jackson. This is a Justify Your Existence Extra. We're going to talk about that Ole Miss Arkansas baseball series before we get there. I want to give a shout out to Oxford Park Commission. We thank them for coming along for the ride with us. Registration begins April 16th for summer day camp. You can sign up online at OxfordParkCommission.com or by visiting the Coach Howell Activity Center. Camp will serve ages 5 to 13, cost is $300 per camper per session. Sessions run June 1 to 25 and July 5 to 30. Drop-off begins each day at 7.30. Children must be picked up by 5.30. Games, arts, crafts, swimming, and more are just some of the activities campers will take part in daily. Nick, that sounds like fun, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I wish I was 5 to 13. <laughs> That's right. That's the only limitation there, man. I think we could we could uh, take part if it wasn't for the 5 to 13 thing. 13 was a long, long time ago uh, for both of us. <laughs> um, hey, before we get to uh, baseball, let's uh, talk about football a little bit. We had that uh, open practice. Uh, I was kind of, uh, I was profiled, Nick. I felt uncomfortable with that. But uh, I had football ops come over and look at me and say, uh, coaches saw you using those binoculars, kind of wanted to know who you were. And I had to had to go through that. And and I didn't tell the, he was a very polite young man. And, and I didn't tell him, well, you know what? If more practices were open, uh, you guys would see me around. So, I, but I, I, I didn't, I didn't get into all that. If I were you, I would have just leaned into it and used a Russian accent and just gone full spy mode, made them made them real confused. Well, I tell you what, uh, it, it's good to see the defense playing better. I know that it's only spring football. I know you're only practicing uh, against yourself. It's hard to really get a read that way. And I always hesitate to say they'll be better because they can't be worse because you get burned when you say things like that. But I think this group's going to be better. I, I think just the number of bodies, uh, the the emphasis on the secondary and the defensive line and recruiting, uh, some transfers coming, uh, becoming eligible. Uh, what's what's your take on uh, on what you're seeing in the defense right now? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not putting too much credence into what they're doing in these scrimmages we're seeing because they're doing it against the third string offense with all the bodies that are out. But just the sheer number of people that they can use in the secondary and on the defensive line this year is such a change from the last two or three years where they were still reeling from the probation and they still didn't have depth anywhere. You're not going to have a situation this year where you need to move an offensive player to defense. They're going to have three deep at every position. And I think that the guys who are going to be the second stringers this year might be as good or better than the people who did start last year. I think in a lot of cases, they might be the people who did start last year because a lot of starters are returning but might not be starters again uh, next year when you look at some of the players in the secondary who might have to lose a job to somebody like a Jake Springer or a Taishim Johnson if these um, newly insertable defensive players are, are as good as we're being told they are. So, yeah, I, I'm excited to see what this defense does because they are clearly improved. It's just a matter of... Does that improvement mean they go from 127th to 110th, or are they actually a top 50, top 100 type defense? Well, you know, I like the depth. Uh, 
I think the transfers are interesting. When you look at the production of Otis Reese in his uh, three games last year, and, and you multiply that out over the course of the season, then you're talking about all SEC-like numbers, uh, certainly in contention for that type of recognition. Uh, so you figure you got him for a whole year if he stays healthy. Uh, Jake Springer, man, the, the numbers at Navy were very impressive. Yeah. I know it's Navy. Uh, it's a different conference. But uh, 16 tackles for loss, eight sacks, th- those aren't easy numbers to achieve. Um, I think he's going to play a role. I think uh, then you you throw in uh, some newcomers, a newcomer too. Maybe it's Tyshin Johnson. Maybe it's somebody that uh, hasn't made a big splash yet. Uh, Taiwan Malone's not even on campus. They're going to have depth there, more depth on the defensive line. Um, there are a lot of reasons to think this defense will be noticeably different. And, uh, you know, we, th- there was a common theory last year that they didn't have to be great. They needed to be average. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think uh, we may get to test that theory. And I'll, I'll throw out two more names that have kind of stood out on defense. One, A.J. Finley has quietly been one of the better players on this defense two years in a row. And I think he can be a superstar on this defense this year, just based off of how they're using him and how they're moving around and how much of a leader he seems to have stepped up as. And also another guy from that 2019, 2020 recruiting class that wasn't here last year, DeAndre Prince was getting some starting reps with the ones this week and having him back. Everybody really liked what he did as a freshman and, you lost him last year when he went the JUCO route for a year, but having him back, that's just even more depth in the secondary. That, I mean, Keedron Smith has been a year starter, and he's been working with the twos primarily in these scrimmages. It, there's There are just more bodies to choose from. Let's talk baseball a little bit. Uh, um, I didn't think uh, the Arkansas series would end in a sweep either way. Uh, I thought somebody was going to win that series two to one, uh, and it worked out that way. And just – uh, it was one of those weird games, man, where you you, you get that uh, 18 to 14 final there uh, in game three on Sunday. But, Nick, I'll tell you, that 18 to 14 game uh, was really uh, interesting and, and kind of, uh, you know, they, they brought me back into it. You know, there was that time there when I had reached for my Cold War book there. You, you saw that. And, and uh, you know, I, I got I worked way ahead on the game story of just almost none of it, which was used to. Uh, when it finally came to pass. Uh, but uh, when they started coming back, I thought, ah, they're going to chip away a little bit. They'll chip away. But to come back from 11-0 down and tie the game. Now, I didn't think they had the pitching to finish it out, and that was a that was a big issue on the weekend. And it turned out that way in game three. But uh, to come back from 11-0 down and, and tie the game at 14, that was the most interesting 18 to 14 game I think I've, I've seen maybe ever. Yeah. In the three, four years I've been covering Ole Miss, the only other game compared was the, uh, whatever it was, 17 to 11 game in Baton Rouge a couple of years ago where they, they won an extras. But yeah, I said this on Monday when Elko went down and I'll stand by it. I'm still not concerned about this offense. They're not going to hit home runs the way they did last year and they did at the beginning of the season without Elko. But as long as you have Jacob Gonzalez at the top, Peyton Chatagnier at the top, Dunhurst and Graham and Bench and now TJ McCants in the middle, that's six guys who are going to hit 
up around 300, 320 all season, you're still going to get your hits. You're still going to score your runs. And that's what we saw yesterday where 11 run deficit really isn't that scary when you have a team that's getting more than 15 hits a game against the number two team in the country. But yeah, the back end of this bullpen is a little scary. You look at the SD only numbers, Austin Miller's ERA is 844. Tyler Myers' ERA is above 10. Uh, Josh Mallett's ERA is above 10. Jackson Kimbrell's ERA is above 10. These are guys who we thought would be huge, huge depth pieces in the bullpen who just aren't getting outs in SEC play. And that's that's a huge, huge concern. Yeah, and, and for Mike Bianco to tell us we're still uh, looking for pieces in front of Broadway, uh, he just really sounded like a guy who is searching. Like he doesn't really know where those pieces are going to come from. No, and, and do you? I mean, who do yeah, you have no, right now? No, yeah. no, no, I can't look at you and tell you where the pieces are coming from either. But it's, uh, that's got to be a, an uncomfortable uh, position for a coach as we uh, near the, the midway uh, point of the conference schedule. Uh, I thought the Elko news last week kind of sucked the air out of the conversation. It was all about uh, uh, losing Tim Elko, and you lose a lot. Uh, seven doubles, nine home runs, 36 RBIs. Those are, those are big numbers. And uh, I think this offense has been a little sketchy at times in its ability to extend leads. Yeah, I did that in game two in this series. Did a good job of that. Uh, didn't do it in game one. Had that early lead. And so many times this season we've seen an early lead and then maybe uh, an, an eight-run inning or something like that. That's that's happened a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, they, they seem more able, if you will, to um, put together one big inning rather than – three or four single innings of one run and, and maybe mix in a two run inning. I mean, it just, it, it seems uh, a little different with this offense. Yeah. And you and I talked about this on, on Saturday parish, if we pull back the curtain and give people into the press box, that, that game one, you have Kevin Graham, who's probably the best hitter in your lineup, go two for four with an RBI. That's what he's supposed to do. The unfortunate thing is the two outs were both with the bases loaded. You want him to get two hits every game. He got his two hits that game. They were just the wrong two hits. He gets two hits the other way. He has six RBIs. Ole Miss is the number one team in the country right now. Baseball's finicky. Baseball's weird. Again, that's why I'm not betting against this lineup right now because when you have a team that is doing such a good job of just compiling single after single after single, they're going to score a lot of runs. The the bigger fear right now is what you do for Broadway and the bullpen, and do you have to make a change with your number three starter? Yeah, I, I do get the feel that Drew McDaniel is more effective as a starter. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I think that's a better fit for him. That may be a maybe what we see. Uh, I do think they'd have been number one, but if they if they had won the game, Nick, if they had gotten that magical walk off and, and had won the game 19 to 18, you know, and, and made a comeback like that. Um, would they have been number one? And if so, what would it mean? It would have meant you, that the number one team in the country, I, I think you brought this up yesterday, uh, would have had a bullpen that gave up uh, 20 walks or, or, or what, 17 walks yeah. and two hit batters and, and all those runs. And I've got them for uh, 19 runs over the uh, course of the weekend uh, from the bullpen. That's just from the bullpen. And uh, I just don't think this is uh, 
this is a number one kind of team. And offensively, I, I get what you're saying about uh, uh, the singles, and, and there's there's consistency there. And there are a lot of guys who, who can give you those. But uh, this is a different offense than we've it seen is. the last three years. And uh, I go back to uh, the second game of the Auburn series that they won six to five, where they got out to the early lead and were not able to extend it. Auburn comes back against the bullpen. They end up winning six to five, the Rebels do. But it, it just, uh, I looked at that game and I thought, this team, the last three years, wins this game 12 to seven. Mm-hmm. They extend the lead. Uh, maybe Auburn gets some runs against the bullpen, but uh, but it's there's no sweat at the end because they extend the lead, and uh, that's just uh, not uh, what we've seen so far. So, uh, Austin P. Tuesday, uh, what what do you see in this uh, Ole Miss Mississippi State series coming up? Yeah, that's the one thing I wanted to talk about with the offenses heading into state. My big fear is for a team that slaps the ball around and hits the ball early and counts and doesn't really extend pitchers, you don't walk very much. And that's the way you're going to have to beat State's pitching staff is they are high strikeout, high pitch count guys. And if you're getting out of that bats two pitches, three pitches at a time, Christian McLeod and Will Bedman are going to finish with 13 strikeouts apiece. Jackson Fristo on Sunday might finish with a measly nine or 10. You're just not going to be able to beat these guys if you're swinging at everything because their stuff is so good and so electric. And then the bullpen behind them also strikes out everybody. So I don't know if patience is an issue or if this team is just really hyper good at putting the bat on the ball and putting it in play. And I mean, how many times this weekend, Parrish, did we see Jacob Gonzalez and Peyton Chatney, Justin Bench hit a ball two feet to the left of the second baseman? I mean, the ball placement there is impeccable or lucky, depending on how you look at it. And when you're playing against a state team that misses a lot of bats, if you swing at everything indiscriminately, it's going to be a tough weekend. So hitting-wise, you got to be a little bit more patient, I would think. And pitching-wise, State's had one good offensive weekend this, this season, and it came against an Auburn team that, is one and 11 in SEC play. So maybe this could be the chance for Ole Miss's bullpen to bounce back, or maybe state figured something out this weekend against Auburn and the Ole Miss bullpen has a test in front of it. 